And uh, we should love him because he first loved us when we were not lovable. <laughs> the Bible actually tells us that in that little passage in Romans that we were um, ungodly, we were without strength, we were sinners. Oh, and if that's not enough, we were his enemies, and yet he loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. That, uh, that's pretty mind-blowing and something we should never get over. Well, if you want to take your Bible and turn to 2 Kings, 2 Kings in chapter number 1, um, we're going to pick it back up here with our series, uh, Fire from Heaven, uh, Learning Lessons from the Life of Elijah. And uh, we started this back in the fall of 2021, and we got to the beginning of December, and we, we kind of stopped it, and, and uh, so it's been a couple months since we've been in, in this series, uh, maybe three months, uh, but I, I have a couple more messages left in it. I, I just don't want to uh, leave it without being finished, and I had planned on a couple more Wednesday nights, but the weather kind of came through and, and uh, tweaked the plan a little bit, so I am looking forward to starting the series uh, on Bible doctrines, continuing doctrine. Um, we're going to start that soon, um, but I do want to finish this uh, series, so thanks for your patience and being willing to be flexible with all of it, but uh, so Second Kings chapter 1, I'm actually not going to start reading just yet. Um, uh, I, I do want to um, start by reading, and, and you don't have to turn there unless you'd like to, um, Exodus chapter number 20, uh, to get a little foundational truth before we jump into this message. Um, the title of tonight's message is No Substitutes, No Substitutes. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, um, I, I don't necessarily always like the, uh, the generic version of things. I like the real deal uh, when it comes to cereal. I mean, nothing beats, uh, nothing beats like real Captain Crunch versus like the uh, great value Walmart brand Captain Crunch, right? I mean, there's a difference there. And, and, and it may be just in the mind, that may be what it all is, but, uh, but to me, I, I, I kind of need the real genuine with the captain on the box, you know. I have to see him on there. Uh, for it to taste right. Um, so the substitutes just don't quite do it for me. And, and really, the and, and I hesitate to even use that as an example because here we're talking about the Lord here, and, and I don't want to compare the Lord to cereal. That's a horrible uh, comparison because you can't compare God to really anything or um, any, any part of creation. However, just to kind of get us thinking about this whole concept of substitutes. Okay, Exodus 20 and verse number 1 and uh, for those who may remember what is in Exodus chapter 20, this is when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, and that's found in this particular chapter. Exodus 20 and verse number 1, God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he says in verse number 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, he says, you're not to have any other substitutes. I am the Lord. There is no other. 
and you need to not have any substitutes in your life at all. Uh, thinking that uh, something else can help when only it was the Lord who, and he reminds them in verse 2, I'm the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You need to remember that I'm the one that has delivered you. And as a result of that, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any substitutes before me. In verse 4, he says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thy, down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And so here we're told that uh, there is one God, we're not to have any substitutes for him. Um, there is only one, and uh, we may better make sure we have no substitutes and that we don't make any graven image to worship them. Okay, and that's and we're familiar with those. With that in mind, uh, let me go back here to Second Kings chapter number one. In verse number one, the Bible says this: Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah, now let me just call a timeout here and explain what happened. Ahab was the king, and he was a wicked king married to a very wonderful individual named who? Jezebel, and she was not a very wonderful individual. Uh, she was a very ungodly person who was a negative influence in the life of Ahab. So uh, for those who are not yet married, keep that in mind. Uh, who you marry is a very big deal. Um, you do need to make sure you're uh, going to marry someone who's going to sharpen you and, and encourage you in the Lord instead of take you away from the Lord. Um, and I'm thankful for my wife who does that, who does encourage me in the Lord. And, and uh, while neither of us are perfect, we do endeavor to sharpen each other. Um, well, um, Ahab and Jezebel uh, did the opposite. They encouraged each other to sin. And uh, that, was a, that was a disaster and a mess. And we've studied that a little bit during the first part of this series. Well, uh, Ahab's son uh, took his place as the king of Israel, and his son's name was Ahaziah. And uh, we find that in, uh, if you look back to just a few verses before verse number 1, in 1 Kings 22, verse number 51, says, ah Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And uh, verse 52 tells us um, what he did. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, walked in the way of his father, and in the way of his mother, in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Now, again, for those of us who are parents, um, here's an example of mom and dad uh, living a certain way and, and son watching the way they lived and following their footsteps. And uh, not always does that happen, but many times it is the case where uh, the children end up following the example of mom and dad. And uh, I know that there may be some first-generation Christians in the room today who say, well, I, you know, my parents were kind of a mess, but to God be the glory, um, you know, and by his grace, by his mercy, I am going the right direction. And uh, I know that that's the case for many people. But by and large, 
children do seem to follow the example of mom and dad. And so an encouragement for those of us who are in that position of leading children, of leading young people in our homes to lead them in the right direction um, because many times they will follow that, good or bad. And uh, here was the case of, uh, such was the case of Ahaziah. He followed the example of mom and dad here. He walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. And then verse 53 says, for he served Baal and worshiped him, provoked he, uh, pro, and provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel according to all that his father had done. So he served Baal. And uh, remember, we said no substitutes, right? Uh, there's one God, and uh, we're not to serve any others. Well, Ahaziah did serve another God. And we're going to find out what happened here in this chapter, <coughs> 2 Kings chapter 1. So let's pick it back up here in, again in verse number two. And as Ahaziah, so we know now he's the king and the son of um, Ahab and Jezebel, he fell down while he was king through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And so he, he fell. It was this, this accident, you know, and, you know, things happen and people get hurt. Well, this, this is what happened to King Ahaziah. He, he fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber and, uh, and was injured. And, and uh, I don't know if it got infected to where he got uh, sick here, but uh, got to the point where he wasn't sure if he was going to make it or not out of this situation. And so verse 2 continues and says, And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whither I shall recover of this disease. So go seek uh, Beelzebub and see whether I'm going to make it or not. Okay, while this happened, verse number 3 says, But the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you and go inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And so we're going we're gonna to walk through this pretty exciting chapter um, of the Bible here. But uh, first, I want us to notice as we consider this idea of no substitutes, as we walk through this, number one, let's notice here the king disregarded God. The king disregarded God. And that was the big issue here. Um, we're going to find out what ends up happening later. And, and for those who are familiar with the story, you kind of know what's going to happen here. But uh, we'll, I don't want to spoil it for those who don't. Okay, so don't read ahead just yet. We'll get there in a moment. But first, uh, instead of King Azahiah, Ahaziah, there we go, um, Ahaziah, I'll see if I can say it properly by the end of this message. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Um, King A, maybe we should just call him that. Um, King A, he was sick and he was wondering, like many people do when they get sick, if they're, when things start going the wrong direction, am I going to pull out of this? Am I going to make it? And so he was worried about it, and so he was like, let's go and figure this out. Well, instead of going to the one who really could tell him, he went to a substitute. He disregarded God and instead went after Beelzebub. Now, disregarding God here is something that I want to just encourage all of us 
uh, to, to not do. Um, now, I'll, I think all of us, if I were to ask, um, do you want to disregard God? I think all of us would say, no, no, I, I, I want to I regard the Lord. I want to keep him in my memory. I want to remember who he is and, and remember to seek him first. But, but when we're in those times of trial and tribulation, do we really go to him first? And, or do we pull a King A here and uh, go after a substitute? Okay. Um, here's just a few references. And, and if you'd like to turn there, uh, we'll do a little uh, a sword drill action here. Um, let's start with uh, Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44, if you'd like to turn there. Verse 21. Not hearing a lot of this. A little bit more. I'm hearing a little bit more. Okay. So somebody just do this to continue the message. All right. Isaiah 44, verse number 21. Uh, here, God says this. This is God speaking. He says, Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Okay, so God promises that he will not forget Israel. By the way, God's promised the same thing to us as New Testament believers too. He's going to keep us in our memory. I mean, there's never a time where he goes, yeah, I forgot about Eric. Oh, yeah, Eric, yeah, thank you for reminding me. I almost forgot about that guy. No, he doesn't ever forget any one of us. He knows us. He loves us. And, and here he promises to not forget Israel. However, we're going to see the reverse is not true. Okay, so turn with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 2. So God promises to never forget Israel, but does Israel ever forget God? Sadly, too many times. And uh, we're going to find Jeremiah... Uh, in the message that he has for Israel, mentioned that they have forgotten the Lord multiple times. Okay, J Jeremiah chapter 2, look at this one, uh, verse number 32. Jeremiah 2, 32 says, Can a maid forget her ornaments? I mean, in other words, like, okay, ladies, when you're getting ready, you know, you got to make sure you got your necklace on and your earrings and your bracelet and your rings and whatever else you all your accessories you know your barrettes are you proud of me for even knowing what that is um i have a daughter and a wife so that's that's the only reason i know that uh because you have to have hair to have one of those and i don't have that so um but it's you know, when, when ladies are leaving the house, they, they, they're pretty faithful to remember those accessories, okay? And, and you say, well, that's a little bit questionable. Okay, what about this next one? Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? So for the wedding day comes and the day that the, late, the girl's been dreaming of and planning for all her life finally comes and, and she goes and, 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 and she totally forgets her wedding dress. That, that's, that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen, okay? Because, I mean, 
Miss Pat, you were out shopping with uh, with Miss Savannah, trying to get her her wedding dress and 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 getting that all situated. I mean, it's that's a big part of the wedding. I mean, almost more important than the groom, right? <laughs> is the is the dress, right? <laughs> I mean, who cares about the groom? But we got to have the dress, you know. Um, and I'm teasing a little bit, but um, but you know, ladies, you know how important that that wedding dress was to you when you got married. Um, my wife had her wedding dress for a long time before she ever even met me, and uh, that was kind of creepy. I was like, okay, this is a little different. Um, I'll have to tell the story one day about when my uh, when I asked my father-in-law if I could marry his daughter. Well, I'll just share it. Why not? You know. Um, I, I had, I was finally worked up enough nerve to ask him if I could have his daughter's hand in marriage, if he would allow me to marry his daughter. And, and so it was the, the day I was going to talk to him and I said, Hey, uh, his, his name's Kirk, you know, most of you have met him. And I said, Hey, you want to go for a walk? He and I had never been on a walk together before, and we have never been on a walk together (laughs) since. Okay. All I wanted to do was walk outside the house so that I could ask him uh, without Julie hearing if I could marry his daughter. So we walk out into the, uh, uh, the driveway there in, in, in Lancaster, and it's, it's night, it's dark, but there's a light on in, in over the garage. And, and I said, I didn't really want to take a walk necessarily. I just wanted to uh, get you alone so that I could ask you a pretty important question. And I'm, you know, I'm in my mind thinking he's going to go through all the, you know, hey, you better make sure you provide for my daughter. You better protect my daughter. You know, if you don't, I'm going to come after you. You know, that type of normal father-in-law, future father-in-law conversation is what I was expecting. And so I said, I was just going to ask you if it was okay if I had your daughter's hand in marriage and if you would allow me to marry your daughter. And he said, well, we were wondering when you were going to ask. Um, so Julie has uh, her dress already. Um <laughs> She has the flowers um, already because she got the silk flowers on sale, evidently. And, uh, and we have the, we need to get the date so we can get the church all reserved. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was not expecting anything like that. And then, uh, and so I, I, I was just like, okay, and uh, I guess that's a yes. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm going to take care of your daughter. I'm going to protect your daughter. You know, I, I had that, all, that part of the speech already ready to go, so I wanted to make sure I still covered my bases. He never had asked about any of that, um, but uh, it was, uh, that was a funny thing, and she was uh, mortified that he went into all that information <laughs> afterwards. But we laugh about it now, and it still makes for a great story. Well, she did have her dress, and again, according to this verse, I mean, would a bride forget her attire? That's ridiculous. That's preposterous. Well, uh, if you read the rest of this verse, verse 32, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Wow, how sad. How sad that Israel, the, the nation that God said he would never forget, the nation has forgotten God and has done so days without number. Okay, here's another reference for us. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 21. Chapter 3, verse 21. It says, A voice 
was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Again, forgetting the Lord. How about chapter 13, verse 25? 13, verse 25. says, This is thy lot, the portion of thy measures from me, saith the Lord, because thou hast forgotten me and trusted in falsehood. They had gotten to the point where they forgot the Lord and they began to trust in fake news instead of the Lord himself. And then we have another reference is 18, verse 15. Chapter 18, verse 15. It says this, Because my people hath forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, to walk in paths in a way not cast up. So here we see multiple times Jeremiah mentioning the fact that Israel forgot God. Isaiah mentioned God would never forget Israel, but Jeremiah says, yeah, well, that may be true, but Israel has forgotten God. Uh, now, let me bring it down to you and I. How are you doing? Or are they de- there are days that you forget to read God's word? There are days where you forget to acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Are there days like that? Are there days without number? Um, like Jeremiah 2.32 said. Um, I hope not, but I, I think that all of us are prone to do that once in a while, prone to leave the God we love. The song says, if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter number one, Proverbs chapter number one, one more passage under this thought here, and then we'll uh, keep moving through the story in Second Kings. But um, I do want to bring up this passage here about disregarding the Lord. Proverbs 1 and verse number uh, 20 through the end of the chapter says this. Proverbs 1.20, wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. And uh, wisdom can be, you know, in this, in this case, it's the Lord's wisdom crying without. It's, hey, here's the right way you should go. Um, it says in verse 21, she crieth in the chief place of concourse and the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words saying, how long ye simple ones will you love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. He says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Verse 24 is a sad thought here because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not, all my counsel would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your uh, destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. They that for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, and here is the word despise here, they despised all my reproof. They, they didn't want me in their life. They didn't want the Lord. So verse 31, therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. In other words, they're going to dig a pit and fall into it themselves. 
Verse 32, for the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But here's the opposite. But whoso hearkeneth unto me and regards God and doesn't forget the Lord shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. And so obviously the encouragement for us is to not follow King Ahaziah's example here and totally disregard God and run to substitutes, but instead to regard the Lord and to remember Him and to keep Him first and foremost in our life. So we see here, number one, the king disregarded God, but then uh, going back here to 2 Kings uh, chapter number one, we're going to see that Elijah delivered God's message. He was faithful to deliver God's message. And what was God's message? In verse number three, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, um, arise, go up to meet, because remember, God hadn't forgot about Israel. Israel was kind of doing whatever they wanted to do. They were doing that which was right in their own eyes. King Ahaziah was doing whatever he wanted to do, seeking whoever he wanted, Baal, Zebub in this case. Uh, but God hadn't forgotten, and so he was paying attention, and you can't hide anything from the Lord. And so the angel of the Lord goes to Elijah and says, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it not because there's not a God in Israel? Like, are you going to Baal-zebub because God all of a sudden is on vacation? Or God doesn't exist all of a sudden? Um, is that why you're going to Baal-zebub? Is that why you're seeking him? So verse number four, uh, God says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord God, or the Lord, thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. Okay, and so here comes the messengers, uh, or the messengers, um, Elijah meets them and, and delivers that message. And, and by the way, this wasn't probably a fun message to deliver. I don't know that Elijah was like, oh, this is going to be fun to say. Yeah, a king's going to die. And it wasn't a positive message. It wasn't like, hey, you're doing great. Let me pat you on the back and give you a gold star for the day because you just did a great thing. It was an uncomfortable message to give. And, and uh, if, if preachers and prophets are going to be faithful, they're going to have to give some difficult messages in this day and age. Because not everything's going to be, hey, you're doing so good. Um, in fact, um, I was thinking about this, and this is uh, one of my thoughts here is um, in Second Timothy is, uh, Paul is encouraging young Timothy to preach the word. He says this, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, when people like what you're hearing and when they don't like what you're hearing. Keep preaching the word. But then he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Okay. Um, reproving is not exactly a positive thing. Now, it can end up becoming a positive thing. It can lead to a positive thing, but it's not like, good job, everybody. Um, reproving is, you're an error. And rebuke is, um, is a little bit the same. So it says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort is basically, hey, keep doing what's right. 
So out of the three things that pastors are supposed to be doing in their preaching, two of the three are not Joel Olstein, you know, big smile and everybody's just wonderful. Reproving and rebuking is not exactly a real positive, oh, that felt good today. I'm so glad I got to hear that message. It was so inspiring. Sometimes we need to get the word of God. And as you read through some of these epistles of the New Testament, there's some encouragement at the beginning, but then Paul really lays into these churches and says, look, you're in error in this area and you need to get right with God. Sometimes preaching needs to be that way. And Elijah was faithful to do so as he was called to give a message that probably wasn't so popular and not everybody enjoyed hearing it, that the king was going to die. And so let's uh, pick it up here in verse number five. It says, and when the messengers turned back unto him, so they left Elijah and came back to the king. Uh, The king said unto them, why are you now turned back? Like, hey, I thought you went to go to Beelzebub to find out if I'm going to live or die. And verse six, well, they said unto him, there came a man up to meet us and said unto us, go turn again unto the king that sent you. Saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there's not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Uh, therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said to them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you? He said, You know, tell me about the guy you met. I want to know about him. And they answered him, Well, he was a hairy man. Uh, probably did not immediately think it was me, okay? <laughs> um, uh, he was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, I know who it is. I've heard about this guy. I've seen this guy before. It's Elijah the Tishbite. So verse number nine, the Eli- then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. He went up to him and behold, he sat up on the top of an hill and he spake unto him, thou man of God, the king said, come down. And uh, we're going to stop there right now for, for just a moment. And again, I wanted to just say that Elijah was willing to, uh, to deliver this message regardless of the pressure that came upon him. And he had some tremendous pressure. Now he had, he had some messengers, but now he has 51 men, so 50 with a captain, uh, who are going after him and like, you better come down here, man of God, and you better change your message. Uh, the message ends up being the same message. Uh, he didn't waver. He didn't uh, tweak his message because the pressure started getting a little bit more intense. Uh, and, and the kitchen got hotter, but he didn't bail. And he, kept, he stayed true to the message that God gave him. And uh, I was thinking about in Jude, verse 22, it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. Sometimes the message we can give can be an encouraging, loving message. And certainly, the gospel is a loving message, but um, the next verse says, and others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So sometimes uh, people are, will respond to a message of love and of kindness and of graciousness. Other times, they need to hear that they're lost and on their way to a place called hell. And because of their sin, that's what they all deserve, and, and that's what we all deserve. And they need to hear that truth as well. So 
Um, here, Elijah was faithful to give the message, and we need to be faithful to give the message and not to alter it no matter how much pressure comes against us. And the pressure did come. And so we see here the king disregarded God. Secondly, Elijah delivered God's message. And then thirdly, um, God displayed his power. And this is where the excitement happens. Okay, so in verse number 10, let's pick it up. Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, he said, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So many people just think of Elijah calling down fire from Mount Carmel, but here he does it again. But he doesn't just do it once, though, does he? Uh, because we go into verse number 11, again, also, the king, he sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50. And same thing, he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king commanded, come down quickly. Elijah answered and said the same exact thing. If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee in the 50. And exactly the same thing happened. The fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him in his 50. So three times Elijah called down fire, once on Mount Carmel and then twice here in this particular account. And then going into verse number 13. And he sent again a captain of the third 50 with his 50. How would you have liked to be this captain? <laughs> like, uh, Gary, I want you now to go and lead a group of 50 men. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm no dummy. I mean, I don't think three times the charm here. I, uh, I'm not really interested in taking this particular assignment, O king. Well, of course, back in those days, you did what the king said or off with your head. So the captain really had no choice but to follow the orders. But uh, he was, I'm sure, dreading the moment that he would come in contact with the man of God. So it says, And the third captain of the 50 went up and came, but he didn't do the same thing as the other guys did. He, uh, he did something pretty smart here. He said, it says, He fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains and the former 50s with their 50s. Now, therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. The angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him, be not afraid of him. He arose, went down with him unto the king. He said unto him, So that captain made the right choice there. Instead of saying the same thing, Hey, come on down, uh, man of God. Uh, he himself had a posture of humility and fell on his knees, and his life was saved. Well, uh, they end up going to King Ahaziah, and uh, verse number 16, he said unto him, here's the same message that he shared earlier. Now he gives it to him personally. Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, thou shalt not come down off that bed which thou, shalt, which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And so we see the power of God, the power, God displaying his power here by all this fire coming down from heaven. Well, in verse 17, we see number four here, the king died according to the word of God. Verse 17, so he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. 
And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, and the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. All right, so he, and, and that says that, look, God keeps his word. Um, God keeps his word. And uh, he, he did die. And, and I think partly because instead of seeking the Lord, if he would have done that, who knows what would have happened. But instead, he sought Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. And so here we see the king died according to the word of God, and uh, God, God keeps his word and, and validated the prophet. Um, and uh, the next chapter, chapter 2, we'll look at next, next week and how Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And uh, we can appreciate that here in Oklahoma a little bit more than other states. Um, but there's some truths about substitutes that I want to give you here real quick as we wrap this up. Uh, number one here, as far as uh, what happened with uh, King Ahaziah here, um, first of all, we see that God is displeased with any occult involvement. He's not pleased at all with that. And, and certainly, uh, Beelzebub was uh, an occult um, involvement and he was seeking something that hopefully you know he would get some answers but it was not God at all it was really Satan um, and here's here's some references uh, that are listed in your in your outline Leviticus if you want to just turn over there I'd like to just take a quick moment we're, we're doing good on time we're, we're about done but if we can take a moment and look at a couple of these references here real quick. Leviticus 19. I realize these are the old, this is in the Old Testament, but um, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, right? And so uh, what he says about these things don't change just because Christ came and uh, fulfilled the law. These things are still uh, true today for us as New Testament believers as well. Okay, Leviticus 19, verse 31. It says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And many of us know, I mean, I know it's March, and we're about, we're almost as far away from October 31st as you can get. Um, Halloween and all of those things, and, and, uh, you know, I, I know that uh, some, some people can, you know, celebrate that day and, and have fun with it. And I, I'm not against, you know, candy. I'm not against, you know, dressing up like a Bible character. I'm not in, against fun. But the origins of that day um, and a lot of the, the things associated with that day are something that as believers we need to be very careful about participating in. Um, you know, the ghosts and the goblins and the, and the witches and, and all of that stuff. God, God's word is clear on a lot of that stuff. And, and it's, and it's kind of nice that I'm not preaching on this the week before Halloween because I don't want to make everybody mad, okay? I don't want to ruin anybody's fun, but I also want us to honor the Lord and to be careful to stay away from things that God's word is very clear about. Um, so as you get ready this next October uh, with your children and maybe grandchildren, I would encourage you, again, uh, I'm not against, you know, having, a, having fun and all of that, but, um, 
you know, I would just be very careful about what you allow your family to participate in in that day. Um, you know, I know that a lot of churches do trunk or treats, and, uh, and, and I don't know that that's a bad thing. I really don't. I just don't. I'm not comfortable with it. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it could be a, a good outreach, but I don't know. Um, so if you're wondering, why don't we ever do a trunk or treat? It's because I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. And that's just, that's just the bottom line there. Um, I, I don't want to judge another church who does. And if you go to one that day, that's fine. But I just don't really want to uh, participate in that because it does open the door for some of this stuff. Because, you, you know, we can make sure we're good, but then everybody coming onto our campus is dressed, dressed as witches and ghosts and goblins. And, and it's like, well, that's not really what we want to have around here. Um, so I know this is a little controversial, and I'm getting into controversial stuff. It's, everybody enjoys that, right? Um, I, and I'm not trying to be a meanie and harsh here, but I, I mean, we're reading some pretty serious verses. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. I know, and, and I know that Harry Potter's not near as popular as it once was, uh, but I'm, I'm not comfortable with my kids reading Harry Potter and learning about all that stuff and all that hocus pocus. Um, that's not godly. There's a lot more godly things that we could be involved in um, because what it does is it starts opening the door for substitutes, see? And that's what happened with King Ahaziah is he went after a substitute because his parents didn't lead him in the right way. And so he thought he should go after uh, Beelzebub, okay? So Leviticus 19.31, we looked at that. Let's look at the next chapter, chapter 20, verse 6. It says, And the soul that turneth after such have familiar spirits and after wizards to going a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul, will cut him off from among his people. Um, God takes this very seriously. And if we're going to line up with the Lord, we need to as well. And again, I'm not trying to ruin anybody's fun, but I also don't want to dishonor or displease the Lord. And we're saying here, God is displeased with any occult involvement. Okay, one more uh, little passage, Deuteronomy 18, real quick. Deuteronomy 18. I already mentioned that uh, preaching is not always positive, and so I'm starting to practice it now, aren't I? <laughs> I, I, I want to be gracious about all this, but I also want to be biblical about it too, and, and, and I hope that you'll understand my heart in it. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 9, says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, so he's giving them instruction about when they inherit and get into the promised land. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a uh, necromancer. For all that do these things are, and what's that next word? Abomination. Abomination unto the Lord. 
Abomination means that God hates it so much it makes him sick. And so there are a lot of Christians who just kind of like play around with all this stuff around Halloween, thinking it's just fun and games. But in, a re in the reality is, and I, and I know that, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about everybody in the room here today. I know that your intentions are all good and godly. Uh, but, but sometimes we can unknowingly do something that's an abomination. And I want to encourage us, now that we know, uh, to avoid that. Um, it says, because these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. So these are the other ungodly nations that were occupying the promised land. And he said, you better be careful that you don't start being like those other nations. So number one, we said God is displeased with any occult involvement. Number two, uh, God is dishonored by any specific pursuits of the future that does not find its source in his word. Things like horoscopes. Ouija boards, and such the like. God is dishonored by any specific pursuit of the future that does not find its source in his word. If he would want us, I mean, you can, you can, learn, you can learn the future. You can go to a palm reader or um, a psychic or whatever, um, but God is completely dishonored by that because that's a lack of faith in God. That's what it ends up becoming. Um, so God is dishonored by any of that, but here's number three. God is delighted, though, when we trust in him only. So let's do that. Let's trust him only. Let's not seek after these other things, and let's be careful with what we allow ourselves to be involved in. So there's a little uh, side lesson for us from that uh, that I hope will be such a blessing and an encouragement to you. Let's, <laughs> let's pray, and we'll look at some prayer requests real quick uh, before we're uh, dismissed tonight. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for uh, this uh, account in the book of 2 Kings um, where King Azahiah just totally disregarded you. Help us, Lord, to not forget you. Lord, we get sometimes pretty busy and, and maybe even uh, too... Um, focused on the problems that sometimes we don't really know who to seek or we don't seek you first. And we go to friends, we go to other sources uh, rather than you. And Lord, forgive us for that. Help us, Lord, to seek you first, remembering that you're there the entire time, that you're, you're not going to forget us. So Lord, help us to run to you first. And, and Lord, like Elijah was faithful to deliver the message, help us to be faithful to deliver the message of the gospel. For those around us, no matter the pressure that may come, Lord, the, the religious persecution may come to where we're not allowed to give the gospel out. Help us to do so anyway uh, and to be faithful. Um, and Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us remember that you keep your word. And uh, what you say will happen, will indeed happen. And uh, Lord, help us to trust you first and foremost. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, yeah, let's take a couple.